Today's episode is going to feature Ryan Lubberger. He's the co-founder and CEO of Clean Colt. And they're actually one of the first companies ever to put soap in milk cartons. If you've ever wondered what it's like to step into that industry and the challenges you have to face getting onto the shelves of major distributors like Walmart and the like, then this is going to be an episode that will have that education for you. It'll also tell you as a leader some of the ways to make sure that you overcome the stresses of having to lead a company like that. Now, granted, what I've learned from every CEO I've ever interviewed is that they welcome that level of stress. It's not their favorite thing, but they also understand it's a necessity as part of being a CEO or a founder of a startup. This is an episode I guarantee you'll be able to appreciate, not only for its insight in the industry itself of consumer products, but also just taking a look at the way another CEO, another founder runs their startup. Without further ado, here's Ryan. So you have started something called Clean Cult, and I'd love it if in your own words, you could sort of share what it is that you believe Clean Cult stands for and what it is you yeah. do. Yeah. So roughly four years ago, looked at the back of my bottle of laundry detergent and didn't see any ingredients and Boulder Kid. So said, why aren't there ingredients, right? Why aren't there cleaning products, ingredients generally? Um, and it's a dirty space. I did all this research and it's completely unregulated, right? So Europe bans over 1400 chemicals that the US allows. I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. So then looked at the natural products, the Myers Baby Organic 7 Gen, they were all covered in plastic packaging. And it was like, how can these better for the world products use so much petroleum-based packaging? It was like, this doesn't make sense either. So fundamentally said, there's just a real gap here is how could we deliver sustainability from end to end with something that's beautiful, effective, and the same price. So we make uh, natural cleaners in paper packaging versus plastic. We are the first company in the world to put hand soap, dish soap, all-purpose and laundry in a milk carton instead of plastic bottles. So launched almost four or five years ago now, distributed nationwide at Walmart, CVS, Walgreens. And our mission is to you know, fundamentally change and shift the household cleaning industry, but without having to shift behavior. So that's, that's, our, that's our goal and vision. Now, I'm 100% sure that you came across a lot of backlash because anytime you sort of upset the status yeah. quo, and especially in the industry, like you know, consumer products that people can yep. buy, you've got to get letters, you've got to get, you know, hate mail, whatever the case is. <laughs> what was that like if it did happen? Yeah. Yes, the first, I mean, the, the first true barriers were just, frankly, leakage, like literally soap leaking on our production floor. So <laughs> before the letters came... <laughs> <laughs> you, was, okay, uh, the product itself was a test. The product itself. So frankly, the first three years, it wasn't, um, you know, wasn't the status quo that was challenging. It was trying to put a caustic product or an all-purpose cleaner in paper. So we had times that it was up 4 a.m. on the floor of our, you know, basically machinery with an inch of soap, right? Because we had to completely re reinvent this. So that was really the challenge of the first couple of years. Um, and then we did get letters. We've gotten letters from, you know, some of the leading people that you would know in the space. Um, but, you know, look, I think I've actually been very impressed at their willingness to want to go zero waste, but their inability to do so. So we've actually had a lot of discussions with most of you know, those parties and they want to change, they just can't, right? So they keep launching a dilutable, a dissolvable, something that removes plastic, but 99.9% .9 of their business isn't plastic. So there's almost, they have dual thoughts. So on one side, we've been really impressed at how excited they've been, 
But on the other side, they're not doing anything with it. So it's a complex category for us because, you know, we know they want to shift, but it's just really challenging to do so. Yeah. Now that I think about it, as you're saying that, I'm running through all the products that I've come across in my head. And sometimes I see them do other things where it's supposedly kind of better because you can just now toss it in. But the truth is, it's still inside of some kind of plastic. And the number of things that I think about that are actually in plastic uh, I think like the only boxed uh, drinks I've seen are, you know, alternative milks and uh, yep. some boxed water. But other than yep. that, everything has plastic. Yeah. You know, the crazy piece, too, is it didn't always used to be that way. So 30, 40 years ago, our laundry detergent was in a box. It used to be in a box. It was a powder laundry detergent in a paper corrugated box. Yeah. In the 60s, 70s, you know, everything changed and they went to liquid products in these massive plastic packaging. So what we get hopeful about is that it doesn't have to be this way. It's not always been this way. But, you know, the last 30, 40 years, wrong decisions were made and it's filled our stores with more plastic than ever before. Um, You know, we just fundamentally want to shift that. Now, what was this like when you... because? You didn't bootstrap this, right? So what was it like trying to potentially, because from what I've heard, you've got to worry about warehousing, you know, the manufacturing, getting the approvals, bringing a team. That's going to take a lot of uh, cash. How did you make this happen? (laughs) When we first started the business, we didn't want to do any of that, right? (laughs) Right? We wanted to bootstrap. We were really kind of clear, but um, we actually, in the US, there's no manufacturers that can run a non-food product, soap, on a food machine. So think about a juice manufacturing line, a milk manufacturing line, water. You can never run soap on that, right? And there's also a lot of technical challenges. We actually had to buy all of our own machinery and literally build and innovate from scratch. So we have 14, 15 patent pendings, a lot of trademarks. So that took a lot of money. So we have gone through, you know, a total of uh, probably publicly, maybe four fundraising rounds, pre-seed, seed, series A and series B, privately many more (laughs) with bridges and the like. And, you know, it's taking a long time. So we, we closed our Series B in August of 21 with a great group of investors, Kevin Hart, Zach Gaffron, some really good consumer investors here in New York, 26 million. Um, but it took time to get there, right? So we have, you know, transparently over 100 investors from angels, family offices, private equity. And it's a, it's a diverse group. So it's taken a long time. The We call it the dark years of the early days. We were almost a million dollars in debt at times and almost didn't close the round. And did and we are where we are today but it's it it's timely you know like dog years i feel like we've been at this for <laughs> longer than we have but um we're stable now we're in a really exciting place and we feel like we've hit our stride now one of the interesting things about a product like this is how do you market something like this like every day it's the it's it's a it's more exciting than you know cardboard boxes for people moving, but it's still yeah. not like like how do you make because marketing is always trying to make things sexy. Yep. And this is soap we're talking about, right? How, laundry <laughs> detergent. What were yeah. some of the challenges you came across with actually trying to get this on the shelves? Uh, there's politics with that, but then like getting it yeah. off the shelves on top of that yep. is a different challenge, right? Yes, we've had two journeys, like two separate stages of this company. The first was direct to consumer. The second was retail. So the D2C landscape, it was frankly easier because we could tell the story, you know, did a lot of long form YouTube videos, a lot of Facebook marketing and built the business to a you know healthy number. But then the iOS shift happened and D2C became frankly cost prohibitive to scale. So still have a healthy business there, but that was 
feasible, right? Humorous marketing. Um, we have, you know, frankly, shirtless videos, Zach and me <laughs> using so my co-founders. So just fun stuff, right? And people get it. We all need to reduce plastic and household cleaning. It's covered in plastic bottles. Retail now, which is the majority of our business, that's been a challenge, right? Because you're sitting next to massive plastic bottles that have unlimited funding, right? To go after trade dollars, discounting, um, you know, merchandising across. So that's been hard. So I think what we've learned is the carton is the brand block, which has been really useful because you go in a hand soap aisle and you you stop because you see why is there a, you know, a juice <laughs> or a soap? Why is there a milk carton in my hand soap? So we have great stopping ability. And now we focus 100% on our branding. We're on our fourth <laughs> rebrand now and feel like it's just continued to finally nail our value prop. But retail is a tough environment. Right. So for us, it's been getting the right packaging, the right placement on shelf, the right pricing. We're now price parity to Mrs. Myers, which has been a real challenge for us to get to. Um, and then placement. So yeah, to answer your question, it's challenging and continues to be to be challenging. Now, had you known it was going to be this way, you know, early on before you started, would you have still approached this? I, and, you know, I know that's a trick question, but what I'm actually yeah. trying to get at is there are startup founders listening to this and looking for insights. And I've heard a lot of entrepreneurs say that if they knew how hard this was going to be when they started, they probably yeah. wouldn't have done it. Uh, but yeah. what's your take on that in terms of grit and in terms of yeah. what it takes to start a product like this? How do you feel now looking back if you had known? Yeah, I mean, our two values at Clean Call, it's endurance and optimization, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that's what we live by. And just day in, day out, let's continue to have stamina and keep going and continue to optimize, right? We're on product iteration six, we're on formulation iteration seven. We finally got the price point. We're launching a really new innovation this summer that we're excited about. So to answer your question, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Um, it's been a journey of like self-realization. I think I've become a better person, a better leader, a better individual. I think I've pushed myself more than I ever thought possible. You know, I've met with CEOs of the leading Fortune 500s. I work with Walmart, which is the largest company in the world. I'm in meetings that um, I never thought was possible. But it's also you know, dogged, right? It's it's exhausting. It's 24-7. It's forever. It's perpetual. So I think, yes, I would have done it again. But I don't think at that time I would even have the the consciousness or mentality to know what the journey would entail. So I, I don't, either the question, I don't even know it's possible because I just, my, like I've changed so much over the last six, seven years that I don't know if I'd be the same person. I love to hear that. What would you say is the one thing that's changed most about you? Uh, I think patience probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that originally we say that this is going to take a couple of years and we'll be X size and then we'll take, um, you know, this amount of time. But I think patience, commitment. Um, and I think just empathy generally is I think a leader in this environment has to just be very empathetic or else you're going to lose talent. You're going to lose partners. You're going to lose suppliers. They don't need us. Right. So I think empathy has been big. And then I think consistency is that I think consistency is so undervalued right now is that I've learned how to be much more consistent. I, I, you know, the, the adage like showing up is 70 percent. I think it's like 90 percent. Right. You show up and be optimistic. It's just there's a lot fewer founders out there. There's a lot fewer operators out there. There's a great resignation. There is a fundraising, you know, challenge. So I just think for people that want to do it, just showing up day in, day out for five, 10 years, and it'll work. So I just it. like that has been the biggest vision or the biggest update or change, change for me personally.
Oh, that's a that's an absolute transformation, and it's not like a like a wishful one. I hope to grow to be this. You are that yep. now, and there's yep. no going back from that. So, with yep. that said, with our mind on the future, what what does lie in store for you? Are you setting up for? Can you talk about that? Are you setting up for an exit? Uh, are are you looking to do this as long as you can? Because the mission isn't yeah. even complete yet. Yep. So for us, we want to reduce as much plastic and household cleaning as possible. That's always been our vision, right? We want to build a great business and completely change the categories. Personally, I think we're just getting started, right? Is we just got nationwide distribution at Walmart, you know, five categories, 17 SKUs, 3,000 stores. So that's big for us. We just launched in Kroger. Um, we're launching with some other retail partners. So for us, that's everything. And I just think we're scratching the surface is you go into laundry aisle and it is the heaviest plastic in an entire grocery store. And there's not three or four or five brands challenging them. There's one and it's usually us, right? So there's just so much space, so much opportunity in these spaces. So I think we're just getting started. We have a lot of excitement to come. We have some really exciting products launching in summer. Um, it's been about four weeks. So we've gone back maybe <laughs> a couple months to share more. Um, yeah, so I think we're just getting started. Man, I, I really can't thank you enough for being the difference. Do you do you psych yourself up? You know, I, I talk to myself in the mirror, you know, like sometimes I'm like, come on, man, you can do this, what have you. Do you have any secret sauce yourself that keeps you moving or is it those motorcycle rides across the country? No, I am not personally, or don't have the bandwidth or ability to start every day self-realizing, right? <laughs> Meditating, drinking my tea for two hours, visioning the future, taking time for self-reflection. That's not me. So I think personally, it's been, um, okay, if that's not me, <laughs> how can I still show up every day and all days and still evolve and be the leader I need to be? I just think it's just three or four things. It's endurance, it's optimization, it's consistency, and it's kindness. And I, I just, I think a lot of leaders overcomplicate it because so few leaders get the basics right, right? Like, are you talking to your team often? Do you have a clear vision? Do you have money in the bank? Do you personally have a structure of talent reporting? And I think so many people go on to so many higher levels of evolution of self-realization before they just get the foundation right. So I'm still on the foundation. So I think for me, it's just showing up every day, continuing to appreciate the progress, appreciate the team. But yeah, it's a, it's a journey. You know, I don't know if it's it's going to be a different answer probably in a month and a different answer probably in a couple months after that. And and I and I appreciate that. I think there's also one other thing that we can learn from you because you've already you've taken the arrows on the back as uh, my friend uh, my friend Jason Miller likes to say he was a, a army vet. You've you've done that for the team and and for for anyone who will follow in your footsteps. Like you said, you want uh, you want more comrades in this space. When working with the more established uh, professionals in that world, I know you talked about optimism and and this seems to be a running theme here. Is there a dynamic that you were surprised to find is necessary when working with sort of the more established, the more traditional incumbents of this, of this uh, consumer, you know, uh, situation and and all that, you know what I mean? Is there something in particular that you were like, wow, I really need to be this guy? Yeah, I think there's there's two. It's like, we actually see... incumbents, excuse me, um, for our team and also strategics, right? So from a talent perspective, we have the director of sales from Method, the COO from Method, the VP of marketing from Method. So we've really tried to get out the most relevant and specific individuals for our executive team, right? And that's come with challenges because I'm a younger leader. It's a first time Mm -hmm. founder and you're dealing with people with 30 years of experience, right? So 
I think the dynamics there are complicated, but I also think they've been somewhat um, just more exciting, beneficial for me personally, because you learn so much from them. But I think the biggest opportunity is they also learn a lot from you. So that's been really nice to see is the relationship. It's complex, but wonderful in a lot of different ways. So that's, we say incumbent, like with a talent, right? Because they come from the leading cleaners. Um, And from a, a, what's called corporate perspective, it's how do you balance getting to know them, but never being for sale, right? Because the minute you're for sale is the minute that it just, A, you're probably not ready, you know, and B, unless you're running a real process north of 50 million in sales, like it's just not going to be the right outcome usually. So for us, it's like, how do we build these relationships, but also never be for sale, right? And that's been a really fine balance that we've tried to try to have, probably not always perfectly, um, but also say, look, I don't necessarily know if I want to sell this to a strategic. Maybe it's a series C and we go into different categories, right? So yeah, it's just that that fine balance of like talking to the incumbents, noticing them, building relationships, but not being too focused. And how do you how do you balance that throughout the journey? I appreciate you digging into the bag to bring out that wisdom, man. It's I know it was hard one, you know, and anyone who's going to listen to this, I know is going to be grateful for that. And personally, I, I hope that this is the beginning of a long term relationship as I start watching your growth. Yeah, I appreciate that. And thanks again for having me today.